A study from Japan published this week in the journal Science Translational Medicine found that people with endometriosis were far more likely to have traces of fusobacterium in their uterus than people without the condition, a finding that could lead to breakthroughs for the more than 6 million people in the U.S. who suffer from the painful chronic condition. This is Pulse Check. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. The Senate voted 53 to 45 on Thursday to advance the nomination of Julie Rickleman to the First Circuit Court of Appeals. Republicans and anti-abortion groups had attempted to block Rickleman's confirmation over her past work for abortion rights groups, particularly her representation of Missouri abortion providers in the case that toppled Roe v. Wade. Still, all Democrats voted in favor of Rickleman, as did Republicans Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins. The reauthorization of the Children's Hospital's Graduate Medical Education Program is in question after House Republicans added a provision this week blocking funding for hospitals that provide gender-affirming care. Though the program has enjoyed many years of bipartisan support, Texas Republican Dan Crenshaw called to the issue, a hill we're going to die on. And states are calling millions of Americans from Medicaid, but no state is moving as quickly as Arkansas, which is aiming to complete its work in just six months. Megan Messerly is here to explain what's going on and why some people are falling through the cracks. Thanks so much for having me. So you have been on this Medicaid unwinding story for months already, and you flagged for us earlier this year that five states would be the first to start combing through their Medicaid rolls and seeing who is still eligible for the first time since the pandemic hit. So that would be Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, New Hampshire, and South Dakota. And you flagged that Arkansas was going to be one of the most aggressive in doing this. So what did you find when you actually went there? Yeah. So based on some of the data that Arkansas had put out that it was indeed removing people from its roles quite quickly, we knew just based on state law that Arkansas has to complete this process for people who haven't had their eligibility redetermined since the beginning of the pandemic. They have to complete that process in six months by a law passed by the legislature in 2021 and signed into law by former Governor Asa Hutchinson. And this is being carried out by his successor, Republican Governor Sarah Huckabee. Sanders. So we know just based on the data that the state had said it was going to do, that it was going to remove people quickly from its roles, that is happening. The big thing that we're seeing is that a lot of people are losing coverage for procedural reasons, meaning, you know, they didn't get letters in the mail or they missed a letter in the mail. They're having trouble figuring out what the notices exactly say. When I was in Arkansas, several people shared their letters with me and they were confusing even for me to try to understand what they were saying. And so we're just seeing a lot of confusion broadly with this process. And I think what a lot of people had feared would happen, which is people would sort of get tripped up by the paperwork problems here is what's happening. And so talking with patients on the ground in Arkansas, talking with patient advocates, lawyers, providers, including, you know, federally qualified health centers and pharmacists, like this is what they're living with in real time. This is what they're seeing on the ground every day is is a lot of folks who are coming in confused that they've lost coverage when they make very little money and they don't understand what's happened to their Medicaid. What are we talking in terms of numbers that we know in terms of how many people have lost their Medicaid in Arkansas so far? And of that, how many of them lost it because they're actually not eligible anymore versus the kind of falling through the cracks that you're describing? 
Right. So there's a bit of a, a data lag with this. So we have data from April and May, and those numbers show that about 140,000 people have lost coverage and about 70% have been for procedural reasons. The state sort of breaks it down, you know, people they were unable to locate, people who didn't return their renewal packets, people who didn't provide all the requested information. These are sort of all the different reasons that get lumped together broadly as sort of these procedural reasons. Sort of what I found out talking to folks is there's a lot of different reasons someone may not turn all the information back into the state. For instance, a couple of women that I spoke with had lost their Medicaid because they were told they hadn't cooperated with child support enforcement. So in Arkansas, people have to cooperate with child support enforcement as a condition of continuing to receive their Medicaid. Both of these women didn't know, were not aware that that was something they had to do and then lost this coverage. She didn't want to go after her ex-husband for child support and was trying to figure out how to navigate that process. So these are some of the paperwork issues where, you know, all the income says that they should be eligible for this program, but they either don't know or don't know how to comply with, in this case, child support enforcement. In other cases, it's a letter from an old employer saying that, you know, yes, you no longer work there. So these are some of like the paperwork problems that people are getting caught up in. What does it mean for these folks when they are getting disenrolled? Are they able to get back on Medicaid, get on a private insurance? And if not, what does that mean for their health care? A lot of them are trying to get back on Medicaid. One of the women who lost her Medicaid because of child support enforcement, she said she went and did turn in a bunch of documents to them. So she was just waiting for, you know, them to officially tell the state Medicaid office, like, yes, she is cooperating. Yes, you can go ahead and give her her Medicaid back. So that's sort of one iteration of how this happens. But in the meantime, this woman had made a doctor's appointment for some really bad headaches that she's been having that have been waking her up in the middle of the night. And she's not been able to do that. So she's just waiting for her Medicaid to be reinstated. Another person I spoke with, there's a form you can fill out to actually be able to be exempt from the child support enforcement requirement. She turned that form in. That form says that they have 20 days to process it and then they can request more information from you, in which case there's another 20-day period. So she's just waiting for that document to be processed. But in the meantime, she doesn't have any health insurance. She's pre-diabetic. And so she told me that she's rationing old dosages of pills. She printed out her long list of medications for me and it's you know several hundred dollars in prescription that she would have to pay for out of pocket because she doesn't have health insurance. Their mom that I talked to, her four kids lost coverage. I was actually supposed to meet up with her while I was in Arkansas. She called me in tears telling me that her son had lice and she was in the middle of shaving his head because she couldn't afford to go to the doctor and get a prescription to kill the lice. And so there's a lot of these sort of real world impacts. Yes, hopefully some of these folks will eventually end up back on Medicaid coverage. But a lot of the concern is what healthcare people foregoing in the meantime while they wait for that to happen. So Arkansas is getting a lot of flack for this process and what's happening to low-income folks on the ground losing their coverage. What do they have to say for themselves? Yeah, so the state is obviously aware of these concerns. They're the ones who have put out this data themselves. One of the things that they told me when I asked about the high number of procedural denials, they told me that there's some people who are going to fall into that category who maybe just aren't eligible for Medicaid, but aren't going through the process of sending in that renewal form only to be determined ineligible, right? There's some people who may be getting these forms and saying like, hey, I have a new job. I have health insurance through that, or I'm making too much money. Like I know I'm not going to be eligible for this. So I'm not going to go through the process of 
completing this paperwork. Also, I think worth noting, the state's talked a lot about all the things it has done to prepare for this unwinding process. You know, over the last three years of the pandemic, and especially really in earnestly in the last year, they've done social media campaigns. They've put out radio ads to let people know this is happening. You know, they've mailed notices to people's houses, in some cases sent out text messages. And they have this sort of Medicaid data control center where sort of all the state data is feeding in so that they themselves can keep an eye on everything that's happening during the unwinding process. I think the state is really arguing like we have done a lot to be prepared for this process. The State Department of Human Services, which is the agency that oversees Medicaid, they're all working extremely hard on this process. I talked to a former Health and Human Services secretary under Governor Asa Hutchinson. You know, and she told me like none of this is being done out of malice. Like everyone working inside the department really cares about keeping people covered. At the same time, you know, it's worth noting that Governor Sanders has talked about this. She wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, you know, where she talked about this process and sort of the need to be fiscally responsible in this approach. And they've also argued that by removing people who aren't eligible, this frees up resources for the people who really need them. So I think we've really seen the sort of pushback from the state that the six-month timeframe, yes, it's shorter than, you know, all other states are doing, but this is work that all states have to complete. This was put into motion by the year-end spending bill signed by President Joe Biden. Their argument is that this is going to happen regardless of whether it happens in six months or 12 months. They say that this is a process that's happening. They're just doing it faster than every other state. The Biden administration put out some statements this week, sort of scolding Arkansas and other states that are doing this, although he didn't call out any by name, and offering resources to make sure, you know, this isn't happening to folks because of paperwork burdens and other technical things. But what can they actually do in this situation and what are they actually doing? It's a good question. There are definitely folks who are calling on the Biden administration to do more. You mentioned Secretary Becerra sent out this letter, you know, saying he was deeply concerned about what was happening and reminding states of all these waivers and suggestions that the federal government has put out to help reduce the number of these procedural disenrollments. They added some more to that list. When I spoke with CMS, they told me they really are still trying to work collaboratively with states because honestly, that's the fastest way for things to get resolved if they can say, hey, state, we're looking at your data. We're seeing XYZ going on. Can you please fix it? Like that's the fastest way for things to get resolved. But they do have some tools in their toolbox that they can use if they feel like things reach that point. And so that includes things like the most extreme perhaps is there's this enhanced federal funding that states are continuing to receive during this unwinding process. CMS can take that away. They can issue corrective action plans. They can impose fines. They can even pause this disenrollment process. But a lot of folks would see are pretty big steps for CMS to take and would be seen as as pretty punitive. And so CMS isn't at that point yet. However, I think the big message that we were hearing from them this week was that these tools do exist. They're monitoring this very closely. They are very concerned. They're at this point where they are really asking governors to please do all these things to limit the number of procedural disenrollments. But at the same time, they are watching and investigating and monitoring everything that's going on. And if they find that there is a violation of federal rules and regulations, they can use these strong enforcement tools that they have at their disposal. Well, thank you so much for walking us through this. And I hope everyone checks out your piece on what's happening down in Arkansas and how that foreshadows what could be happening in a lot of places. And please keep us posted as this moves forward. Of course. Thanks for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. 
Fra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting, Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.